Own Your Creativity, Episode 10. Okay, let's do this. There are people I got to help. This is bigger than me lying on my floor. Let's get up. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. Sherry D. Teigman is a soul explorer, transformational coach, and business spark maker. What does that mean? Sherry helps the Joes and Janes who are done being average ditch their Groundhog Day living and find their unique path and voice to a sparked up soul and lit up life. She believes every person has the ability to find their creativity, passion, and drive within and light up their lives, relationships, careers, and most importantly, their connection to themselves. On that creative crusade, Sherry also works with entrepreneurs and everyday rock stars to verbalize their soul and vision through copy and creative packaging and igniting their businesses to grow grow and flourish as their calling, not just a J-O-B they go to every day. When you connect to your community through the right words and emotion, you create lifelong fans and who doesn't want that? Her podcast, The Creative Soul Lab, is a variety show of sharing musings and interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders and everyday success rock stars, pulling the curtain back on how their creative spark, passion and individuality fuels success and fulfillment in life and business. The Creative Soul Lab can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad that you're here with us today. Maybe to start off, you can just tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. I am, as you read my bio so well, um, off of the stuffy bio aspect, I am on a creative crusade. Um, I really want to reach as many people as I possibly can to light up their lives in all different ways. And it doesn't necessarily mean creativity the way they believe the definition of creativity is. But just finding that spark within themselves that is that five-year-old childish wonder that looks at life, whatever that is, whether it's their lives, their relationships, their business, even just making it through an everyday average um, day to be able to face it with joy and face it with excitement and face it with challenge and curiosity and see what else is there underneath the um, level living, I call it. Yeah. So I do that by coaching people. I mentor people in their businesses. I coach them in their lives. Um, I just trying to create a community of like-minded people who are ready to have these sort of conversations and know that not only is it okay, but this is where the magic happens. Trusting and believing that there is more, that more kind of shows up in your life when you start looking for it. Cool. So you mentioned that um, creativity is somehow akin to that five-year-old. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. So I think as adults, a lot of people see creativity as, oh, I'm not artistic or, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't do that stuff. And I always find it funny because that's always, you know, the other voice talking of, well, you did when you were five, whether it meant you built Legos, played in the dirt, made yourself a superhero as you were walking to school. It's a part of your brain that doesn't get nourished and flourished as we move through life and start closing the doors of creativity because those are not the rules we're supposed to follow. We're supposed to follow society and achievement and motivation and hustle. But what I like to show people is creativity fuels all those places. It's not some silly, naive way of, I don't have time to be creative. I have money to make. I have a family to feed. I have bills to pay. You absolutely do. We all do. But when it comes from a place of 
excitement and fun within your own life and finding ways to make your life feel more yours as opposed to just following someone else's template, I can almost guarantee you will pay those bills faster. You will enjoy your morning commute a little bit more if you're dancing in the car to your music. And it's that softening of the edges of what life seems to have brought many people by following everyone else's rules. And then they kind of turn around and don't know where they are and they don't know that there's another way to go. So it's not about picking up and moving to Bali and leaving everybody, which may work for some people, but anyone I know will probably take a lot of baggage with them to the beach. So it's probably more effective to kind of unpack here before you go running off anywhere. Oh, I like that. Unpack here before you go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do you know, if, if people are kind of willing to start exploring their creativity, you know, in your clients, do you f- find that they're fearful of doing something so different? Because if I'm going to be oh, creative, petrified. yes, yeah? exactly. And how do you petrified? How do you um, counsel them? So I have a few different tools in my toolbox because I've been all of those people. You know, they say we're our ideal client. So I miss creativity over here, but there were many years it was very clogged and very jaded. So I understand that I can't approach from where I've gotten to approach someone who's in that pain point of not feeling anything. So I can't come at them with soul and spark and this and that. I would have rolled my eyes at them, given them my New Yorker look like, are you kidding me? And walked away saying, get out of my face. I'm just trying to get through the day. Don't add more that I have to do. So there are a few ways that I go about kind of opening the conversation. So first of all, it's really an acknowledgement of where somebody is because it's not a judgment. Nobody's broken. No one needs fixing. It's just if they're looking for another choice to make in their life, they have to be aware of the choices that they've made until now or the situations that they've been in to get them where they are. What don't they like about it? What feels stuck? And it can be as broad as the values and the missions that they had for their life that they don't feel like they're living. They need to find out what track they're on before they can pick another one to go on or just run free. Depends on where they'd like to go. So sometimes it's just emotional exploration where we really dive into admitting what you feel like and knowing that that's okay. And it's a starting point. I also do with some clients who are open to it. I do creative art work with them. So again, you don't have to be artistic to an example. I just did with a client the other day. He just couldn't get in there, couldn't figure out what it was. No, he wants more, even more frustrated at himself that he's a grown up. He can't figure out what he wants. It's frustrating and it's shameful. And so we actually did an exercise where on one page he wrote who he is now and on another page he wrote in a different color who he wishes to be, who the five-year-old in him would have wanted to be as a grown-up. And I didn't move him anywhere. I didn't make him do anything. There was a lot of realizations. And honestly, the work happens by just noticing it, watching it, absorbing it, taking that in, letting it digest and It's painful. It's exciting. It's all the emotions mixed together. But you can't start if you don't know where you're, you know, even and you turn your GPS on the phone. The first question is where you are now. I could tell you (laughs) it may take 10 years to get where you want to go or you're around the corner and you don't know. But you can't. Everyone, many people are always focused. You know, traditional therapy will focus so much on the past. Some coaches focus so much on the future. But Present living is where you have to start no matter where you want to go or where you've been. Mm-hmm. 
So do you find that you have more women than men or vice versa? Or is it kind of 50-50? Right now, it's pretty much 50-50. And I think that's just because I decided that I was also going to work with men. Um, I had started off only working with women. Don't know why it just happened. And then I realized, wait a second. I'm always friends with guys. I have a very playful personality, like I'm comfortable in any sort of situation. So I said, why should I only limit this to men, women if sometimes men aren't even – are sometimes in more pain in the sense of admitting that you don't – you know, you have many women are very happy to sit and bitch with their friends about what's not working. Men don't a lot of times have that ability to even have a safe place, place to speak about this kind of stuff. So I felt like I wasn't – it wasn't fair to close that off. And I've, it's been amazing because I know ideal clients, very important in business building. And I work with that with my clients as well. But for me, ideal clients, not about what color shoes someone wears or how old they are. It's that tipping point of where they're ready for something more. So who am I to close that off? Yeah. And do you find that, that, uh, the men that you work with have different issues than the women? Yes, very much so. A lot of the men that I work with are so numbed that – but they numb in a different way than women do. So it's kind of like that – it's real autopilot mode of I'm a provider. You almost hear the voice in their head repeating, I'm a provider. I don't have time for this. I, I shouldn't allow myself to dream bigger. Who are you to dream bigger? It's you know real tough cookie inner critic um, and it's – the more you ignore it, the more things in your life it's going to knock over. So gently opening a conversation with it. Uh, in a firm way, because it's not going to say, if you say please, it's certainly not going to go away. So it's just kind of creating another lane. And then once that lane is fully colored in, they can be merged. It's not just going to be a one-stop shop and you just, oh, okay, I'm going to choose something else. If we could all that easily just choose something else, I wouldn't be in business and a lot of people would be a lot happier in their lives. I sure wish one day we'll get to that, but I don't, I don't really think in today's society that's really likely. Yeah. Um, so do you have a definition of creativity? The definition for creativity for me is a combination of wonder, curiosity, and drive to find them. So people can think they're nice ideas, but if they don't make them a priority to go look for, it's going to sit on the shelf and look at you. So even I think it's a big piece to even put it on your shelf. But if you don't activate it, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to happen by itself. It's been shut off intentionally when we were younger. So it needs to be intentionally turned on and a muscle needs to be built to use it. So I think that's really the definition for me. So it's not about artistic. It's not about innovation. I mean, it is all those things for certain people, but I think that the real start of it is a much more basic physical feeling like that butterfly in your stomach or turn something over to figure out how it's made. And maybe it could be this. It's just like the word maybe and what if and imagine that those are the starters for real creativity. Hmm. Interesting. So if somebody has a block to creativity, um, how, how do you help them move through that? Because I think some you talked about a tipping point, and I think that means that they they know that they need it, 
you know? Yes. Um, yes. But I think a lot of people don't know that they need it. And, and, and yet they still might be kind of like in your periphery, kind of like drawn to you. But yes. Um, and so they would require a, a further step or an extra step, I think, or, or, yeah. or not. How do you deal with that? Or uh, So when I, when I come across people, I mean, usually if they're in my periphery, then they are searching for something, whether they realize it or not, because otherwise they wouldn't be around my little buzzy brain. Um, but I think even for the people who do want it, the fear of the unknown will stop them from going to look for it. So it's a great question because it's whether they know or not, that doesn't mean they can just jump in. So I think, again, it's about the playing out scenarios of what will happen in their life if they decide to go exactly how they're going. And it's not always so dramatically terrible. I mean, sure, it's socially acceptable if someone's being beaten or is homeless or is this and that. You better go do something about your life here. I'll help you. But when someone has a regular job and a regular family and looks like everyone else and marching along in line with the sheep, no one knows that they need something more. And who are you to go get that? Then I have to go get it. It's like, no, 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 no. Get back in line. We don't do things like that because it throws the dominoes off. So that's a big fear place for people. Am I allowed to knock dominoes down? So I'm very open about what I feel creativity is. It's one of the reasons I started my podcast because I don't know if everyone is ready to have these conversations, but I do believe everyone is ready to listen to the conversations. Mm -hmm. And I find the podcast especially is a real act of self-care. If someone turns me or you or anyone else on in their ears, on their way to work, on their way to the kids' soccer game, on their, you know, in the ride to the supermarket in those everyday moments – and they give themselves a different experience in their brain and in their ears and in their mindset to wonder what else is there. That's so massive that, you know, society and technology today can give people. No one ever had that before. You know, you, you're not going to clandestine meetings at night, sneaking into the basement of some place to talk about creativity and then hope nobody sees you. You know, today you can explore anything you want. They're Lots of different bookshelves in the bookstore. Uh, so the bravery to wonder is, I think, a starting point. So for me, it's creating a, a safe environment to talk about these sort of things and for people to realize what creativity is. So on my show, I'll interview all sorts of people that you wouldn't necessarily call creative. But when you hear them speak about what they do, you'll be blown away by hearing underneath it all that little kid who liked to build things, that little boy who loved to pretend his walk to school was an adventure through a jungle, the way to not do something the regular way, the need to be a rebel even when they're marching in line or, you know, kick a stone when nobody's seeing. And it that common thread opens the allowance for everyone to say, huh, I wonder if I have that in me in what I do. And the answer, of course, is yes. So then it's this slow stone stepping to, well, what would it feel like to know that? What would it look like if I tried it? And then, you know, they, they end up off the seesaw a little over more to one side, dip a toe in, they sneak back, dip two toes in, come for a visit, run back to the other side. And that's all part of the journey. You know, I would never dare dishonor someone's journey by rushing them. I couldn't. I, no one could do it for me in my day. So got to honor the the journey. Yeah. So uh, I get from what you've already said that there was a time in your life when you were blocked and that you didn't have creativity in your life. And what was that like for you? 
So this is interesting because I am a creative. I was born a creative. I don't think like everybody else. I never did. But I'm um, exhibit A of what happens when you shut it down, even as a creative. So math was not my thing. But still, I still turned it off. So I grew up in a modern Orthodox Jewish community right outside of New York City, same community that I still live in. And it was, I had a great childhood. Everything on paper was great. I went to great schools. I was afforded great opportunities and I have a wonderful family. So how dare I find a problem in that? And that was part of what was my part of the journey, allowing myself to want more, even if there was nothing technically wrong with where I started. Um, Because socially acceptable, you just stay. So I married someone that I shouldn't have, someone that I knew from growing up, and I followed the regular road, and I was the Stepford wife, and I threw the dinner parties and the holiday parties, and I was president of our PTO, ran the best bake sales I ever saw. So you hear me talking, my creativity popped out in places, in my cooking and in my raising my kids and in the places that it was allowed. I ran uh, art classes for the kids in my kid, my children's school after school. We did edible art. So sure, I was being creative, but it was totally disconnected to my soul. I wasn't living my life. I was living someone else's life that looked beautiful from the outside, blessed and lucky and people would envy it. And I'd love to say that there was an aha moment that one day I just woke up and walked out. And I always joke around like um, Jim Carrey in the Truman Show, like walked out of the sky into his dream life. I would have loved that. But I instead stayed in the storm a little longer than I would have wanted to. But everything happens for a reason. It was part of my road to finding myself was realizing that I wasn't living my life and finding that, well, then who on earth do you think you are that you could just leave? And what? is this dream life you think of? And I didn't have any answers, but at the time I knew I wanted more. So I walked into the darkness. No idea what it was, but the light that I saw wasn't my light. So I would have rather been in my darkness and feel me and find my way out than live somebody else's story. And some people call it brave. Some people call it stupid. It's just the way I roll. So I did it. And I, there were low points. There were lots of high points. There was really interesting um, explorations. But all of that juice is what helps me help other people because I've been there. I'm no guru with a golden scepter telling anyone what to do. I know what it feels like. I know what the dark days feel like. I know what the amazing part come out of the other side. And I think that no matter what someone chooses at the end, just knowing that their journey is theirs, I'm not promising anybody some perfect life afterwards. But the thing that I gained is there's no such thing. So you make it's as messy and beautiful as you want it to be as long as you can feel something. And I wasn't feeling anything. So even the way I came out of it was creative because I didn't want to skip any stages. I am stubborn as a mule. So I wouldn't let anyone help me. I'm my worst client because which makes me good at what I do because I will push you even further than I would have pushed anybody. So um, that scrappiness in me is probably how I survived that time. But it also helps me understand what fear feels like. Can you talk about one of those or maybe the most uh, low point that you were at and, and how you came out of it? Sure. So picture me lying on the floor because I couldn't even make it to my bed. And I have two beautiful children and they are my lighthouses. And 
I'm here today because of them. I knew they needed me and I was going to do whatever it took to get strong. But when you walk out of a life that you were primed for your whole life, trying to find something new is very confusing because you don't have anything to compare it to. I didn't have anyone around me that lived something different. Um, my parents were very supportive, but they couldn't help me because they didn't know what I was looking for. So it's they couldn't walk me anywhere. So the lowest part was just not knowing who I was. I felt like my identity got erased and I had a very dramatic, hard divorce. So there was a lot of um, a lot of knocking over of my own identities, even just, you know, when things are in court papers and things are down in black and white and you get confused about what you know to be true and what you know not to be true, everything just becomes fuzzy. It's not, no, no, that, but that's not the way it works. But court systems in general throw off the way things, truth doesn't really matter in that place. It's just about who yells louder and I'm not a yeller. So it was very confusing to have your mothering redefined, your role in a community redefined, your role with yourself. What, how dare you? And feeling selfish when you're a selfless person and just the the edges of every experience I felt and then wanted to be numb from because they were painful. So it was like a movie scene. I was laying on my floor crying to whoever would answer up there. God, universe, somebody just answer me. And I I don't know why I even said this, but I said, if I can get up from this place, all I want to do is make sure that anyone I can find never feels like this, never feels alone, never feels erased and invisible, lost, misunderstood, and just gone. So from that moment, I guess now looking back, that's when I found my purpose. So when you find your purpose, then you have someplace to go. And unbeknownst to me, that was really the first step for me of, okay, let's do this. There are people I got to help. This is bigger than me lying on my floor. Let's get up. You know, let's go. You don't have time to lay on the floor. You have people to help. And that changed everything for me. And in that darkness, finding one tiny glimmer of light, you know, a pinhole is all you need because then it's something to turn to. You're not a rat in a white box. You can sense yourself in perspective to something else. And that was about five, six years ago, and I haven't turned back since. What an inspiring story. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, do you have a, a particular uh, story about a client that you're really pleased about in terms of how you help them that you can share? I actually do. I mean, I have, thank God, very blessed to have wonderful clients who really value themselves, value me and our relationship. It's a beautiful experience. But one of my favorite stories is one that wouldn't be one you would expect me to pick. So sure, I can pick the ones who were broken and this and that, and I help them and now they're living a wonderful life. That's great. I have a client who came to me who was a very successful online business person. From the outside, it was like going to that secret meeting, like that she would dare come to me and admit weakness and saying, I'm making all this money. I'm helping all these people. She was a business coach. And she's like, I don't feel anything. And what scares me the most is there are people who are relying on me and I'm living a lie. And I, I literally don't know what to do about it because I can't step off this train. So I sat with her. I was a little shocked at the time. And 
it was very humbling for me to remember. I learn a lot from my clients. Probably, sometimes I feel guilty. I probably get as much out of our sessions as they do. Uh, but at least it shows I'm fully in my work. Um, I had to like scramble a little bit to figure out I'm a, I'm a metaphor person because I'm very visual. And so I had to find a place for her to meet me to understand how we're going to walk her here so that she didn't feel like I was taking away her business or stripping her of her achievements because I would never dare do that. And I said, well, you use the metaphor of a runaway, runaway train. So what if each session we have, we move from the car that you feel like you're in closer to the window. And then the next session we have in between you work on moving up to the next car. And eventually you're going to be the driver of that train and you can turn your train, slow it down to the pace you're comfortable, turn it to what, however you want it to go. And whoever needs to leave the train will make room for the people who are supposed to be on the train. And as soon as she heard me say that, and it was one of those in the moment, totally pulled that out of nowhere. Uh, she t- you felt her energy completely change. Like, I want that train. I said, it's your train. You get to decide who gets on, who gets off. There's no judgment. A train conductor couldn't care less who's coming on and who's coming off because it's their journey to get on and off. And when they're supposed to get off, it's not a personal insult to him that they got off. And when I took that ownership off of her shoulders that she was disappointing people or a fraud and lying, I said, no, you just, you're allowed to change train tracks. So that was my biggest win because I was able in the midst of something moving to help someone rework. And I, part of my work is I also do business mentoring and copy. So we took all of her copy and we changed it. And she sat and wept when I handed her her new copy because she said, that's me. The old one wasn't me. And that was part of the problem because I didn't feel like myself. So I was trying to be someone who... Apparently, lots of people liked, but it had nothing to do with who I am. So it's not going to help me. And, you know, that's so much of what people step into is it looks great on paper. Who am I to come off the paper? But no one's a paper. We're not, you know, I don't know if anyone who has little kids will remember this story. Flat Stanley that our kids had to like walk around with this guy and he went on all these adventures. You're not a 2D item that can be marketed and packaged you're allowed to grow and anyone who doesn't want to grow with you is not your ideal person. So that was my biggest win because she has now tripled her business, more importantly, stepped into her own self, come out, she's woo-woo, she's business, she's just such a rich experience of a whole person and she's so joyful in everything she does. And when she trips up, she laughs at it. She had a failed launch we worked and that was when she had come to me was after a failed launch and she's like, something's off. She's made so much more money and so many more real connections in her business than she ever would have had that quote unquote fail taken flight that we both learned so much about what perceived failure is and what perceived success is. So I, I would say she's my, uh, she's my shining glory so far. Wow, that is an amazing story. And I love the metaphor of the train. That was genius. Yeah, that was total. I don't know where that one came in. I'm giving someone else credit for it. I was glad I was listening. <laughs> so um, now we come to the, the part of the, the show where it's called the Creative Roundup. And, and just three short questions and three short answers would be great. Yes. Um, so what person inspires you to be creative? 
my children. My children hold my face mask to this life to show up as fully and colorfully and vibrant and alive as I possibly can. And that's a task some days and it's fun some days, but I've got four eyes watching me at all times and I feel the weight and the honor of finding that in every day to give them that because we can all tell anyone we want, whatever we want to say, but the people who watch us are the ones who really know. So I live a reality show raising two kids by myself. So I got to show up as the character I want to be. Lovely. What is your favorite work of art? And this can be any kind of art. I love street art. I live right outside of New York City and there's the most gorgeous graffiti on some of these streets. They're actually graffiti tours that are given. And I love it because to me, that's real creativity and passion. No one's monetizing it. No one's watching it. It's someone's joy on a street. And even when I've seen them working or, you know, when you pass it afterwards, you can actually feel the buzz of the passion coming straight off the wall. That to me is real creativity. It's before it gets knocked off or pushed in a box by what you're supposed to do. Cool. And a favorite quote, quote that inspires you? I have one. So this is by a man named William Hennon. And it's, I know this transformation is painful, but you're not falling apart. You're just falling into something different with a new capacity to be beautiful. And I think it so touches me because this is a messy road, finding yourself. It is a messy road and a scary one to walk into the unknown and find something. And a lot of people want to stop at that invisible fence of this is very uncomfortable. I'm just going to go back. Like if you could wrap it up for me and, you know, tell me there are three steps and I know what they are and they won't hurt, then I'll take them. But the falling apart is where you find your real pieces. And so I honor that it's hard and ugly, but Faking a life is pretty ugly too. So I just love that because it honors the messy part of what goes on. That's lovely. Thank you so much. So um, any last words and where people can find you? Uh, people can reach me at my website, which is www.sharryteagman.com, on my podcast, which is the Creative Soul Lab, on Facebook, Instagram, all Sherry D. Teagman. I, I always like to say this to people is, there are some people who you can only have a conversation with if you work with them, which is fine. I totally get that. I'm not one of those people. If anyone out there wants to just have a creative conversation, find out what more there is in life, reach me at my uh, email, which is Sherry at Sherry D. Teagman. I'm happy to speak to anybody about anything. Um, I think sometimes for people, the first step is knowing that it's okay to want more. And if I can hop on the phone and give somebody just that, just as a soul to soul, not anything more. My job here is done and the rest will work out for my, for me the way it's supposed to. So I want to offer that out to anyone who's listening who feels that they'd be called to do that. Thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you today. My pleasure. This was so much fun. Thank you for these great questions. You know, when you're in it every day, you forget your answers to these things. So thank you for asking them. It was a nice reminder of why I do this every day. <laughs> And thank you, my listeners, for being here. I also want to thank those of you who have left such lovely comments for me in the iTunes ratings and reviewing section. It just confirms for me that my leap of faith with this podcast was the right thing to do. Embarking on this journey brings to my Sherry Tiegman's words that she knew she had people to help, and so it was time to get up and get out there. What about you, listener? 
Have you taken a leap into your creativity recently, or are you thinking about it? Let me know by sending me an email to info at ownyourcreativity.com. I'd love to hear about it, as well as any other comments, questions, or suggestions. Also, I want to remind you of the Digital Swag Bag Contest. It has four gifts to inspire creativity, and the contest ends tomorrow, March 23rd at midnight EDT. To enter, sign up to my mailing list at bit.ly forward slash OYC contest. And to find out more about what's in the goodie bag, go to my website, ownyourcreativity.com. Tomorrow, I'll be talking to poet, critic, and editor Carmine Starnino. We took writing classes together in university, and he has become the editor of my favorite professor and poet, Don Coles. It was great to catch up with Carmine 20 years later. Until tomorrow, own your creativity. (laughs) 